And welcome to the Wrestling Headlines WWE Raw Review. The date is currently the 17th of February and it's, <laughs> as you can tell, it's going to be a really great show. I'm evidently worn down. I was very really self-conscious about how like pale I'm looking. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pay-per-view kind of like back to back to back where we've got NXT TakeOver, then we've got Elimination Chamber and I can't remember if uh, AW Revolution has been pushed back a week or it got pushed back from something. Can't remember what, but still, yeah. For people who cover wrestling, especially British people, by the end of February, we're gonna look like crap. <laughs> so the fact, yeah, I'm. Uh, it's freezing as well, so I've got a nice warm cup of tea, which I'm just holding because it's nice and warm. Yeah. Anyway, did Raw, was Raw hot? Did it warm us up? It definitely gave us something. <laughs> I'm not sure it was nice, happy, warm feelings. Yeah, it was an. Interesting Raw, I think it's fair to say. The go-home show for Elimination Chamber, the second show building for Elimination Chamber. They, they had three shows from the Rumble to build to this, and I've evidently not put enough stuff in my hair. I'm playing with it. Uh, yeah. The, I'm just going to let it fall. <laughs> it's going to be what it is. Yeah. It, but yeah, the Elimination Chamber is this Sunday, and it's the final Monday Night Raw building to the event, and uh, Last week they kind of set the stage. They announced a load of the matches, and this week they changed everything <laughs> because it's it's weird. Life it's more like life kicks into play, and they got unlucky rather than oh, what are we doing? I think like only one match was a kind of like logistic change or like a logical change of oh, we do need to like alter something here. That's in the men's match, but the other matches are like this isn't their fault really. <laughs> That's like kind of bad circumstances falling into it. But the Tale of the Elimination Chamber, yeah. They had three weeks to build to it from the Rumble. They spent week one purely on celebrating the Rumble winners. They didn't really focus at all on the Elimination Chamber. Week two, oh crap, there's a pay-per-view next Sunday. Better build to that. And then this week is, oh crap, oh, change everything. <laughs> Make it a bit better. And I was like, yeah, hope, I mean, SmackDown was like solid, really, for me. That's uh, like last week, and I really felt like they built to Elimination Chamber. Like, it's night and day. I kind, of, I kind of want to open with this because I, um, I do often quite get the comment of, um, but you know, being the Tony Khan shill. But <laughs> I think after watching Takeover, it's just kind of like, um, uh, is, is it all right, Tony? If we like post positive comments, columns about NXT, it's like, is it all right? Like, can we still, we can, we can still send the invoice, right? <laughs> we can still send that over. Yeah. But yeah, so like obviously because I cover, I cover Raw, so I a lot of the time because I don't cover AEW. I, it's Raw and NXT, and yeah, I don't do New Japan anymore either. That's also covered elsewhere. And uh, yeah, so with me, when you hear my voice a lot, it's quite often associated with negativity because I'm covering Monday Night Raw. And it's kind of like, for me, the counterpoint to it is SmackDown is, be, is flipping nailing it right now. I, I'm really, really enjoying the show. I felt like their portion of Elimination Chamber compared to Raw's is night and day. <laughs> just in the quality, in the intrigue, just... The, in going into it as well, it's like it, again the quality feels night and day. When you watch the shows as well, the, uh, the each and individual segment when you're watching Raw, it feels like a lot of it doesn't matter, or you have something at the end of a segment that made what you just watched not really matter, <laughs> or when a twist happens, 
it disregards what you were just watching, so it felt like what you were just watching was a waste of time. Smackdown, you don't have those little issues. Like it's like they've thought it through. Where even though you quite you quite often get the you can tell it's still like booked week to week every now every every now and then it pops its head up. However, with Run Like Raw, you really feel it, <laughs> and it's like every single week it's like what's going to continue, what's going to flow over, and yeah, this week was interesting. So it was the kind of it was kind of that. It's the booking week to week thing rearing its head. And the the fan reaction to the announcement for the Elimination Chamber might have caused what happened this week uh, to some degree. However, that's no explanation for the women's and that's no explanation for, uh, I guess, what might happen with the US Championship. When I say explanation, what I mean is there is legitimate other explanations which are completely out of their hands. And it's like, it happens sometimes. Like, it's happened before with WWE where they've set up a pay-per-view and then... like they feel, I feel like they're quite lucky... It, most of the time it will be a B pay-per-view. Obviously last year we had old COVID with WrestleMania. But my point being, when they've had like a completely scuppered card, right, it, like, the ones I can think of would be something like TLC or something like that, where it's never been a big main card. Like your SummerSlams, your Royal Rumbles, your Survivor Series, depending on what decade you know, this thing Survivor Series in, your WrestleManias. Like, there's never been any major issues with those ones. But yeah, yeah, Elimination Chamber is another one, like the TLCs. I think there's been Elimination Chambers in the past that have had the same issue. But here, this card has had two matches completely changed. One outright cancelled, one with just a competitor removed. And the Elimination Chamber match has seen The Miz withdraw for reasons. See, that's a weird one. So uh, quite a few times on this show, I'm going to say, it's like, in reality, this is a... It's a great thing. Yeah, we can applaud it. Oh, congratulations. Be that on, <laughs> be that on storyline. Realize that well, not storyline, but like match card structure. Realizing oh, I should probably make this a bit more intriguing <laughs> or do something, or or like with Lacey Evans, like oh, congratulations to the um, to the mother to be, but also in terms of the story. But I've been presented, <laughs> so it's two different two different responses. Like it makes sense to do it, but the in universe story I've been giving for it doesn't it doesn't click even though I'm fine the only one of the three changes we've seen on Raw and that is it's not an announced change but Keith Lee is absent and he seems looking like he's going to be pulled from Elimination Chamber as alongside Lacey Evans who revealed on the show that she was pregnant we'll get to that <laughs> and uh, then there's then there's the Miz so Keith Lee is a kind of uh, legitimate problem where last week with Bobby Lashley attacking him and beating him up they can just say and they covered it on commentary that Keith Lee was injured from the attack by Bobby Lashley so either he just doesn't turn up to Elimination Chamber because he got injured by Lashley and you one on one with Riddle or you do or you're always fine and he turns up it doesn't really matter which one my Ric Flair <laughs> well, shall we move on to Lacey Evans now <laughs> and then we'll do the Miz I'll cover the Miz in detail kind of uh, with it I'll talk about Lacey so Lacey Evans <laughs> right, here we go. Oh, as soon as I watched this, I was just like, oh, right, this is going to be an interesting one to cover. Because I've got two lines of thought on it, and I kind of talked about it briefly at the start. So one was when I watched it as it happened, like as an in-universe thing, my gut reaction watching it then. And then I've got a second thought of when I found out Lacey Evans genuinely is pregnant. So it's two, I have to give two different comments. I have to cover my butt. <laughs> uh, 
or cover my arse because I'm British. Can I say arse on YouTube? I've said it twice now. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. But yeah, I guess with the first one, we're watching it in universe as it happened. My reaction at the time was, well, to put it lightly, a burst of laughter. <laughs> just like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> like just a burst of laughter at what I thought was absolutely awful writing. <laughs> it's just like, like, I mean, in canon, as the next story beat for Lacey Evans to stop Charlotte Flair from attacking her and saying, it's be you can't attack me because, and this insinuation is it's Ricks. <laughs> yeah, she's going, I'm pregnant. And I've seen WWE do it before where they've heavily insinuated or sometimes even kind of done a side gag that there is a thing going on only to later down the line like blame the fans <laughs> for thinking that way. He was like, no, we're never going that route. Was like, you heavily insinuated. So I'm, I'm semi, I can't tell which way they're going to go with this. But in this bit, <laughs> Lacey Evans heavily insinuating that the child is Rick's. And uh, it, the whole point is, it seems the out, whole point of the angle is to piss off Charlotte Flair, who looks irate. Ric Flair's dancing, he's joyous, she's like, I'm, I'm a dad, call me daddy. <laughs> he's doing all those dances. And then, like, heavily insinuated that Ric Flair's the father. Like, it's not even, um, this isn't just fan theory. This is on the show, in your story, you have heavily insinuated that Ric Flair's the father. I mean, in terms of, if you, do, if you use this style of storytelling in a, in a show that wasn't wrestling, you would gather, oh, Rick's a dad, and you'd move on, like, type of thing. <laughs> As in, you, with the actions of the of what I saw, Ric Flair is the dad. But as a story beat, that is awful. <laughs> it's so bottom-tier trash. <laughs> it's just, uh, like, all-time amazement in somehow making this Flair story worse and worse. <laughs> like, what the... Uh, it absolutely screams... Like early two thousands car crash TV, and I've had a I've complained before because I'm somebody who yes I know I write for wrestling headlines and it's a type of comment to see all the time whenever I criticise WWE it's another comment to see a lot of oh did you do the attitude era da, da, da. I didn't start watching till two thousand and five update your <laughs> complaint <laughs> update your stock phrases you use uh, I don't know you can use TNA there you go I, I liked TNA back when I've tried to watch it recently. It's not aged particularly well, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's the best way to put it. And yeah, um, yeah, we make a really good point in the, in the comments. Yeah, but yeah, well, actually I'll bring this up. I, I, might, I might even just flat out read your comment. But yeah, noting that Lacey Evans' husband and daughter are canon in WWE because of the rivalry with Bailey last year. They are canon in the world. The child was ringside. <laughs> so, is, uh, it's this not a whole? It's, it's just like oh, she, uh, just dump to the side. Just forget it. Forget it ever happened that she's got a daughter and husband already. That's not part of the story. It's not relevant. <laughs> it's uh, what's the phrase? It's canon via convenience or continu convenient continuity. If it's not convenient, just drop it. <laughs> this character, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It's like, oh, again, this is why I'm falling more in love with AEW. It, it rewards you for the more time you put in, rather than feeling like you're just getting punched in the stomach. <laughs> just, why? Why would I do this to myself? <laughs> but still, it's... It, yeah, but the second reaction is like, congratulations to Lacey Evans for the mother of me. I mean, that's why there's two reactions. Like, congratulations in reality, because this is real life influencing a storyline where suddenly Lacey Evans has got to be pulled and I've just gone, well, why don't we just like reveal that she's pregnant? Like, you are pregnant, so why not just reveal that? And But 
also Jesus Christ. <laughs> it as an as a story beat, it is outstandingly bad. <laughs> Again, the reason we're on the Astrude era tangent, it screams early two thousands Attitude Era kind of mid card story that they do. That this kind of stuff was there, but it was of its time. And one of my main complaints, the reason that I went on a side tangent of <laughs> the kind of comments I get, is when I see like the type of comment where it's just, oh, you, 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 well, you just go, but the Attitude Era, is that all you want? The Attitude Era, it's like, I don't get, I've, I've got no nostalgia for the Attitude Era. And I don't, yes, it was a highly praised time, but for me, going back to it, there's a lot of bad, <laughs> to put it like, there's a lot of hot, uh, hot acts, and you especially feel it when you see the, like, the main event guys come out to absolutely massive pops. It's awesome to watch now, as somebody didn't start properly watching until the, like, the end of 2005. Uh, yeah, massively missing the period, <laughs> the biggest period. But it, yeah, to see that, and then for me, me to watch this and go, this is exactly what I hated when I've tried to go back and try to watch the Astitude era. It's the kind of stuff where I go, oh, I remember this Kind of the tone of this kind of writing being on TV in the early 2000s when I was a kid. Like I'd watch Viva La Bam <laughs> or stuff. You had your car crash TV things. You had your, um, well, I was going to say soap operas, but <laughs> that's not quite right. Well, it's like, oh, Mamma Mia, he's, she's pregnant, my Mamma. Ah! <laughs> and then they faint and it fades to black. And they, yeah. What soap operas did I get? <laughs> Why have I got random Spanish soap operas? Uh, but point being, it's the kind of writing of its era. WWE is still doing it. They haven't adapted. And they're it was like, well, this is the type of storyline that's worked in the past. Let's do it now. The shock value of this reveal. It's awful. It's bad. It's bad writing. On top of a storyline that I've already struggling to get into. Or struggling to get behind or believe or whatever. For like every participant involved. It just like It's like it's a missed cast play. <laughs> so he's just he's struggling to believe any of the characters. But really, again, when you get into the ring, everybody knows what they're doing. It's just, you know, the talky bits. <laughs> the bit where the match is interrupted by the story. That's the, you know, that's the bit that... <laughs> not that great. Um, yeah, it's, one, it's one of the things where, because life is interrupted, they've gone, well, what do you do? Do we actually use this to advantage and use her actual pregnancy in the storyline? I don't have an issue with that per se. It's the fact the storyline was already shit. <laughs> <laughs> and this, as the next beat in that, just absolutely screamed early 2000s bollocks, <laughs> really. That's why right. I started with arse, and then I've just said goodbye to monetization. <laughs> just as off it goes. I think it's first five minutes. He can't swear in the first five. He definitely can't swear in the first one. I think. Or at least definitely the first 30 seconds. <laughs> if you show the F word first 30 seconds, gone. That's your monetization dead. Uh, but yeah, my point being, this is... Just it's just crap. I, I, I know there will be people who will like it or defend it. For me, this is just—it's weird. The story beat is a really bad story beat. <laughs> it just lowers the quality even further. But this is reality affecting a story that they were building and seemingly was going to be a massive program for WrestleMania that surely can't happen now. Like, is she going to have the child in two months? I saw somebody speculate she could be back for WrestleMania. I was like, what, in two months? Like, really? <laughs> Is she that far along? That can't be right. <laughs> but she wrestled pretty, yeah, wrestled pretty uh, viciously last week. As in, like, took a beating from Flair. Uh, yeah. It's not a... It's, it's interesting. We can move on, is the thing, thing. And the main point being that the match has now been cancelled at Elimination Chamber. 
So there will be no Asuka versus Lacey Evans, which makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> I get no mo- <laughs> great comment from Murray. I get no monetization like WWE workers get no bonuses. Ah, but did you see the tweet that WWE careers put out where was, they were hyping up like, ah, you know, like our workers get up to fifty percent off of merchandise. Oh, isn't that fantastic? And 30% off of additional promotions and championships. <laughs> Aren't we a fantastic employer? <laughs> it's just like, what? what is that? <laughs> That's going to counteract the no bonuses news. <laughs> you get 50% off of merchandise, guys. Like, Aren't we great? Aren't we great? <laughs> it's just like, you've frozen bonuses. <laughs> You're not getting any. <laughs> That's not... Uh, that'll counteract it. That'll cheer them up. Oh, yeah, don't... Yeah. So we're not getting any bonuses, we can get 50% off a Mojo Rawley shirt. <laughs> oh, oh, that changes everything. <laughs> changes everything. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting one. Oh, also, a point. It's kind of just come through which kind of notes on it. Technically, WWE uh, wrestlers aren't employees. So they cut... So the phrase of... Oh, but you can buy your own shit for cheaper. Ah, no, 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 they're not employees. They can't buy their own shit for cheaper. They have to pay full price. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like, maybe they get, like, do they get their own merch sent to the house or something? It's like, no. Yeah, but they're not employees. They don't get employee benefits. They're not employees. <laughs> they have to buy their, they have to buy their crap. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. For me, that's like the perfect joke on the end of it all. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You can buy it, yeah. The the people who work at headquarters and the production crew, oh, yeah, they can buy the shirts for fifty percent off. Not the wrestlers, no, they're not employees. <laughs> they they don't get the bonuses from. They don't get those additional quirks and things. No, 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 no. Yeah. Anyway, so the final one to talk about because I've kind of keep these like a smaller one. That's that's something where it's like a there's something up with him is all we know. It's health wise, there's something up with him. And it could just be COVID, and it is another thing where if you have had COVID, like, because the the key thing to remember about the test, and uh, I don't really hear this talked about a lot in this world, but the test itself, the way that it's done, if it's the test that I'm thinking of, as if they are using the test that is used over here in the UK uh, for football and things, the test isn't a be all and end all of do you have COVID or not. The it, it shows whether you have had COVID with a 50% accuracy, if I'm right. If, it, if it's the same one that they use over here for the football. So it's not a be-all and end-all. It's got a 50% chance of... If, if you have had COVID, it's got a 50% chance of flagging it. Well, if you're doing it every single day, then the likelihood improves of like the accuracy of it because you're doing it so often, which obviously WWE, they will do it. I think they do it relatively often for the night more. I don't know if it's just on the day off you have to do it there. But it won't. And there is no thing with COVID where, inter- like, you may not have shown any symptoms, but then when you try and do something requiring energy and athleticism, <laughs> like wrestling is, uh, the shortness of breath will come up because it affects the lungs. So things like wrestling, where uh, yeah, very very physical sport, and if you're struggling to breathe, it, it could just be as minor as that. And um, I, I guess like, especially if you're English or British, the best kind of uh, I guess. I guess football team recording of that was Newcastle United when their entire team got COVID. All there was a there was an outbreak. I won't say that everybody got it, but they have very very openly talked about how difficult it was to get back to peak fitness, 
and oh, I can't remember what it was. There was a bodybuilder on Twitter. <laughs> just one bloke. Maybe I won't use that one. <laughs> it's like just a bloke on Twitter said he lifted weights, and the year later he's still struggling to breathe whilst doing it because of COVID. <laughs> so that was the story. Point being, if there's something up with Keith Lee, there's a chance because his wife tested positive. There's a chance that even though he didn't test positive, that doesn't mean he didn't have it because of the way the test works. And there is a chance he had it, but it didn't flag up or whatever. And now he's feeling the kind of symptoms of it. Not a symptom, I guess struggling with the breathing or something whilst doing something physical is a symptom. Of course, all we know is Keith Lee has got something wrong with him. And I, in, immediately in my head, I don't what well, I know this additional information about COVID. <laughs> I was like, is there a chance that's happened? Because his wife did have it. Is there a chance that Keith Lee actually did have it? But it didn't show any major symptoms until he tried to wrestle. And that's when it flagged up of, oh, he's actually struggling to keep up, maybe. No, oh, he's coming down with symptoms. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? He missed the Royal Rumble, which obviously sucks as well. That's, that's, that's the main point for me. Keith Lee missing the Rumble was huge. No follow-up to last year's amazing bit with him, Strowman and Lesnar. That was a fantastic pop. Anyway, yes. Lacey Evans. What the hell? <laughs> uh, well, I say what the hell. In terms of, like, a character beat, it's, uh, but it is miraging reality with wrestling, which I, I don't hate that. I'm fine with that. Uh, quite often, immediate reactions are, that was too far. You can't do that. And I'm like, no. Like, for me, personally, wrestling's great when it tries to kind of go... When it goes to the line, it tries to step over just a little bit. I'm perfectly fine with that. Te- I'm perfectly fine with Lacey Evans using her real-life to see if she's perfectly fine with doing so on the TV. However, it's just that, as the next beat in the story, utter bollocks. <laughs> so, let's move on. Oh, also, one other thing as well. Because, oh yeah, there was a match first <laughs> going into this. My, fa- my favourite thing I realised I was just writing my notes for this was... Um, I noticed Lacey didn't take part at all and then Flair and Asuka were waiting down, wearing down Peyton Royce and as soon as Lacey Evans got tagged in she then goes to the outside and just Flair's then trying to get at her and she goes outside no 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 you can't touch me because I'm pregnant and that's when they do the whole thing and as soon as that happened the woman got tagged in the referee stops his count for Lacey's announcement and she gives her announcement they do the faces, Vic Flair does his dance, Lacey Evans' music plays. What about the match? <laughs> the match is just its just forgotten about. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, that is, uh, like, generally, it doesn't matter where, and I'm just like, well, the past five, ten minutes were a waste of time then. Which is my kind of, yes, it's setting up the reveal, but for the match to be completely forgotten about, like, I'd, like, ring the bell, she lost the match, she's counted out. Or... Peyton Royce is by herself or something. <laughs> like, go back to the match. And I'll praise later on in the show with the Gauntlet match where they did, like, a side distraction thing, but then it immediately refocused on the match. It was like, yeah, like the polar opposite to the Flair storyline. Uh, which, again, I mean, so kudos to that later in the show, but here, yeah, completely forgotten about. Like, the main point, yeah. <laughs> yes, no contender. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah. We'll also say I watched the... Uh, AEW women's uh, Japanese division thing on the other side and jumping from that to this was very jarring <laughs> it's fair to say let's see what the women were doing in that promotion where you're seeing like, like new talents really showcased and personally even though the production is like really no you can see immediately this is not for TV <laughs> off the bat and but it is really good exposure for acts, and even though it's not absolutely massive TV, you're not getting over 100,000s for stuff like this. 
or at least you're not when it officially airs. I don't know what the numbers are now, but it, I think it peaked at like 18,000, 19,000 when I, I was watching it live because I'm mental. Should have been asleep, but I'm watching Joshi wrestling <laughs> because of AW. Uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, so going from that, where I was really impressed with uh, Benny, especially. Yeah, it seemed to be everybody was. Like, to be fair, I felt like, in, in terms of getting Axe over, AEW managed for me, for everybody who watched that Joshi Rushley thing, uh, me especially, every new act all got over. Maybe not the one against Aja Khan because she was against Aja Khan, but she, you could see she's got, she just didn't get to showcase how great she is in that match because of the kind of opponent she was against. Like, you're the one going up against the legend and the legend's going to win. There's not really much <laughs> she can do there. But all of the three, they really, really impressed and they kind of just got over by doing their stuff. And then I switch over to one like more. <laughs> and I'm just it's like, what is this bollocks? <laughs> what is it? Uh, yeah. But yeah, my main point there being, the match is just forgotten about. Like, there's no count. It just stops. Her music plays. The segment ends. Is the match still going? <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. It, this, this isn't the first time this happened in WWE. It happens quite often. Where it's like, well, then this will happen in the match. And then we'll focus on this. And then the segment will end. And there's no one in the back just going, well, what about the match? And it feels like the kind of thing where in SmackDown, that th- that would be f- thought about. And it feels like they think about it. Like it's maybe planned a little bit more. Doesn't mean it is. It, it is you get that impression. There aren't massive oversights <laughs> like the whole and more. Uh, yeah. But the final one, the final big point to talk about, was The Miz dropping out of the Elimination Chamber because he's Mr. Money in the Bank. He's already got a guaranteed WWE Championship match whenever he wants it. Why would he put himself through the Elimination Chamber? Immediately people on Twitter are like, well, because then you'd get a WWE Championship opportunity because it's a WWE Championship match without having to cash in the briefcase. <laughs> so what if you could have won the Chamber? It's one of those things where, it, well, for me it's... Like, does the Miz withdraw himself from the Elimination Chamber make any sense? And again, just like with the Lacey Evans thing, there's two things. There's the reality world and then there's the storyline world. In terms of the Miz as a character, for me, it's an especially out of left field like, script change after he cut a normal like fiery Miz promo as he's announced for a pay-per-view about how he's going to win the Chamber last week. Now he's all passionate, fiery about making it no sense to take part. <laughs> it's like massive character shift. What happened <laughs> to change that? Just, uh, yeah. It's character continuity wise, it makes no sense. Money in the bank holder wise, for me, it makes no sense. It's a free title opportunity without having to cash in. What, why would you not take that? But pay per view match quality slash intrigue wise, it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, so that's why there's two different feelings to it. Like, they just didn't make that fit in-world. Like, honestly, it's a good script change. Like, the Chamber badly needed it. And Kofi's omission really was one of the standout critiques uh, from all, from almost every outlet I saw from last week. Uh, it, it, it's one of the things where it's like, oh, I'll point out that I noticed this. And then I see everybody else did. Oh, nothing unique at all. <laughs> we all noticed it. But, like, just, you know... Another example for me in the difference of quality between Raw and SmackDown's like writing on display once more. Like the rewrite was needed, good changes are made with uh, the Kofi replacement, but they had to be made in the first place. <laughs> when you're watching Raw, you you get that feeling of what you're watching is could just likely to be changed the very next week. So in terms of the time investment and build, you kind of start again. It's like, well, that was a bit of a waste of time, <laughs> kind of stuff. 
Uh, yeah. Also, oh, yeah, Drew McIntyre was there as well. <laughs> That's another point for this Miss TV. Uh, Drew, character-wise, like I liked the note of Miss using how quick the Scott was to headbutt him as a sign of the champion, like feeling the elimination chamber pressure. Then we got to see it in contest action later in the show. Yeah, Drew's character, fine, great continuity there. <laughs> really liked it. Both he and Sheamus are kind of feeling the anger a bit because they were expected to go one on one with each other, and it's kind of built and built. And uh, it kind of refocused to them at the end of the show. I feel like the WWE Championship stuff on a whole, na- kind of nailing those characters around that scene. It's just, yeah. Uh, the Miz thing, it makes all the sense in the world from like a fan perspective of, well, do I care about this match? Because we're all saying it last week that the Men's Elimination Chamber match for Raw felt stale as hell. <laughs> it was just like, well, these, there's nothing, and I don't care about any of these guys that Drew's defending the title against. But you had Kofi has got a storyline with Mustafa Ali all about <laughs> the fact that Kofi replaced Mustafa Ali in the Elimination Chamber. Then Kofi got that amazing run. Like It is well known that Kofi Kingston just got Mustafa Ali's booking. And it worked to an absolute T in Kofi with an absolutely fantastic moment at, uh, uh, with Kofi Mania. But the fact that they didn't even like notice that was right in front of them. <laughs> that's quite incredible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, it's... Great to see that that is now in the chamber. I'm expecting Ali in some way. Uh, actually, I'll jump to the match in a second between Miz and Kofi to kind of like talk about that a bit more. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's great to see that they're actually incorporating that storyline into a high up match because, again, it, Monday Night Raw at times has still got that big issue of passing ships where nobody interacts with each other, so it doesn't feel like a lived in world. It does feel like a showcase of. Merch and characters at times. <laughs> a showcase of this is your brand, this is your character, this is what you're currently doing to get everything over. Uh, it doesn't feel like a lived in universe at times. Yeah. Again, currently, proof WWE can do it. They're nailing that on SmackDown with just all the different interactions between all the characters. They're setting up their world really, really well. It's incredible, it's the same company that's <laughs> making these two shows. It's night and day. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, other note. Jesus Christ, Drew can still launch a briefcase like an Olympic discus thrower. <laughs> bloody hell. Uh, I can't remember when he last did it, but once again, just bloody nailing it. <laughs> Kudos to the man. Kudos to him. Right, I'm going to have a sip of some lukewarm tea for my New Day mug. Ooh. Sip. <laughs> Lovely sip. Mm. So, it makes sense. It's Kofi Kingston versus The Miz. I can drink tea for my New Day mug. It's relevant. So a nice little reminder that Miz really can go great when he's put with the right opponent. He really can be great. You know, thanks to like his, at times, gratingly irritating uh, tag run alongside Morrison, Like I'd almost forgotten how fantastic his, fantastic his time as Intercontinental Champion was. Like Back-to-back top-notch runs for me on SmackDown Live and then more uh, in uh, 20... I uh, forget the years, right? 2017-18, I think that was. And yeah, like, ah, yes. Then the feud with Shane, followed by The Fiend, uh, sending him back in time. <laughs> and here we are. Uh, yeah, but yeah, anyway, I was saying earlier, this match saw a 100% much needed change to the Elimination Chamber lineup. Like, really, it's incredible Kofi's story with Ali wasn't already leading to this. Again, passing ships, no interaction, even if it just it blinding, <laughs> just a blinding thing that. Seemingly every single fan, because again, I pointed it out on the show last week, and I found out seemingly everybody pointed it out. It's just like, yeah, that Kofi, Kofi's storyline with Ali is all about the Elimination Chamber. 
and it, but they're they're in their mid card story, so they're not in this match. Fantastic that this has been changed. <laughs> Great stuff. But uh, yeah, the only issue now being that, like, it, because this because that storyline was so blatantly perfect fit to the chamber. For me, the absolute perfect note would be Ali costing his rifle spot in the chamber to give him that taste of how he felt two years ago. That is fantastic. But now there's a bit of an issue with that for me because like, with them somehow somehow not realising <laughs> that that story was right there, it, will now, it may now feel a tad sudden with all the changes going in from the go-home show already, then to add another matchup alteration during the card itself. It may just scream, don't know what we're doing, constant rewrites. But for me, that's the... Uh, I mean, it's such a perfect note. Would it negate the problem anyway? Is it, in, is it not an issue? Like, it may be fine regardless. Uh, yeah. Like, it's a chamber guaranteed for shenanigans with Autumn slash Wyatt, like, more than likely to kick into WrestleMania gear during the thing. So, why not go all in? <laughs> just, yeah, go in all shenanigans. The SmackDown Chamber looks absolutely solid. The Raw one can be shenanigan nonsense. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, anyway, yeah. Kofi and Miz had a solid outing. Some nice aggression from the Money in the Bank man rather than the mid-card heel shenanigans we've come to see in his current Raw run. Like, arguably, for me, that's when Miz is at his best, when he's showing that aggression and that seriousness alongside some of the goofy characteristics he has. Like, honestly, the comedy stuff with Morrison is very hit and miss. And it's either, either it's, it's a little bit of a, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. or it's like, for God's sake, it's end. <laughs> it's, it's one or the other, like two extremes. Uh, at the end of the day, he just doesn't feel like a title contender at all right now. He's money in the bank, and I'm just waiting for him to do his failed cash-in, because I have no interest in seeing him as champion. And I don't know if that is because of the way that his actual Morrison has gone. I have no interest in Miz becoming champion. And if he does, I'm all for whoever was the previous champion just knocking him out again. <laughs> Stay at the chamber. He does become WWE champion. Fast lane, Drew wins it back. Just, no, no off you pop. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Or he cashes in and loses it immediately on Raw or something. Just, you get it kind of done with. Like him as champion. Or he just doesn't cash it in. The first person to never cash in the championship. And he gets to the next money in the bank and it's been a year. Uh, and yeah. Do you go with that? <laughs> and just null and void. The, like it never got cashed in. Because of the whole kerfuffle with Otis and then Miz never. You never cashed in. Could you do that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all I can say is I don't have much interest in him cashing out now. Uh, this show was a much better show for him because he got to show that aggression as well. Like, the man targeting Kingston's knee, knowing how much of his offence uses the thing, and that then led into the gauntlet match later in the show as well. Like, but after a quick spin and reversal into a trouble in paradise, like, none of that mattered one iota. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And then we got to the main event itself. And this is where... I feel like now I'm just going to cover the main event. They're the three changes. It's taken me over half an hour, but <laughs> I bloody got there. The main point for me with the Elimination Chamber is two of the changes can't be held. Lacey Evans versus Asuka is cancelled for absolutely obvious reasons, given that one of the competitors, it turns out, is pregnant. They found out after the recording of Raw last week, and this week, they're like, well, gotta, we can't do the match now, obviously. Uh, and then Keith Lee's another one where reality coming in, and you can still do Lashley versus Riddle. It obviously doesn't have the same level as entry, given that you're kind of meant to be passing over to Lashley Lee to lead into WrestleMania, assumably. 
because it's the Hurt Business Curse, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, but, yeah. The, yeah, the card itself, eh, it's fine. Actually, I've realised I could, given that it is the uh, topic right now, I could go to detail on the Hurt Business before talking about the Gauntlet match. So, it's, yeah, it's, uh... Yeah, <laughs> anyway, the Elimination Chamber is a logistical change that definitely was needed to give you a reason, more of a reason to care about the Elimination Chamber match for more. Uh, but it's one that, in universe, character-wise, and all of that stuff didn't actually make any sense. They didn't make it. They didn't make it work with the world they set up or the characters they set up. It didn't. It doesn't make any sense. But in terms of the match card and interest, makes all the, all the sense in the world. And, you, and, you, and putting Kofi in there is the thing to do. Uh, so again, I think the latter, the positives outweigh the negatives in it. It was just like maybe the way they did it wasn't super flowy. It was a little bit awkward. But they've ended up with the right thing in the end. So, yeah. Anyway, the Hurt Business. So, let's just uh, get it out of the way. Uh, Brosif, <laughs> Matt Riddle. I'll get, let's just see what the match was first. The Hurt Business was MVP Benjamin and Alexander versus Matt Riddle and Lucha House Party. Uh, MVP's come out of this with an injured leg. So, he's currently hobbling with the one leg right now. Uh, we'll, uh, hopefully, he recovers. Because, uh, yeah, that would suck. It would really suck for the Hurt Business not to get a massive, with all of them together, in a massive WrestleMania moment. Like, even if, like, for me, if MVP's hurt, like, please, like, just walk out with them or something. Uh, yeah, it, they 100% deserve it to get that big WrestleMania kind of showcase. But, Brosif, Matt Riddle, has faced Hurt Business members in consecutive weeks since November. <laughs> like, any chance there's time for a change? It's like, oh, like, you're damn right. Time for Keith Lee to face the Hurt Business members every single week to <laughs> the road to WrestleMania. It's the Hurt Business curse. From Apollo to Ricochet to New Day to Riddle, like one at a time for months on end to you like to you never want to see the pairing again. That's how you book the Hurt Business. Like sometimes I think it's incredible that they're as over as they are and they feel as strong as a unit as they do, given whenever they do a feud. Like, within a couple of weeks, you're sick of seeing it. <laughs> and then they go on for months. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, don't get me wrong. There's still a fantastic faction. And Bobby Lashley as US champion has been a well-protected high point for Raw for me. It's uh, it's just a shame the method of booking is, like, tiring at best. <laughs> it's the like, kind way to put it. Like, would I be excited for Lashley versus Riddle? Nah, not, not particularly, given what you've shown me already. Am I totally understanding that you weren't meant to be doing Lashley versus Riddle? Because it's meant to be like Keith Lee in there as well. So it was a very different dynamic. Now you're just doing Lashley Riddle again. It's like, uh, yeah, it's not much they could do there. Yeah, unless Lee is fit enough to be at Elimination Chamber, then no problems at all. Uh, the uh, six man on the show itself was a fine showing. Riddle getting a bro victory boost. Bro for the Elimination Chamber bro <laughs> pay-per-view. <laughs> I'll make it as forced as the whole g gags. <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, MVP taking the loss after the match broke down, so I broke down <laughs> into lads jumping at each other. That's why right. if Raw isn't going to make you sick of it, I am. <laughs> Riddle taking advantage to win with the Broton. That's the actual name of it. I'm not doing a bit. Lashley looking great in the end, though. Once again, with an unhinged attack on the babyfaces after they'd just been through a match once again, just like last week. And yeah, for me, I can totally buy that beatdown. For me, that's not a burial. That's a heel capitalising on the babyface that's just put, put everything into a match and they're not at 100%, then you jump in and you destroy them. Because obviously you do, they're not at 100%. I feel like it, if you keep doing it though, 
like Riddle is just getting destroyed by Lashley three weeks in a row. So why do I care <laughs> about him contesting for the title? He's getting destroyed every single week. What it does is, I guess, if you just if, you, if you're destroying Riddle, that means you're not destroying Lee every week. I guess he's he's getting out of it by by having to be absent. <laughs> it's working a, a treat by, by absent. Anyway, Bobby lashes the real dominant linchpin of the Hurt business. You'd love to see it. Uh, but yes, so the gauntlet match. Let's talk about the gauntlet match. To go is the Elimination Chamber to decide who will be the final entrant in the WWE Championship Chamber match this Sunday. And yeah, the randomness of the Elimination Chamber emulated with this one by one run of competitors. And I really enjoy. I really enjoy gauntlet matches. <laughs> I like getting to see the run of it. Like, I like the mystery of which one of them is going to be next, which one will get the advantage, what story are they telling. You, It's it's a match that sets up loads of foreshadowing for that, the actual pay-per-view match that's coming. And if you have somebody survive a multiple opponents, then that kind of gives them momentum as well. Uh, I guess the guy who survived the most was Drew McIntyre. Jumping himself makes sense. Uh, nicely, the champion does not enter fifth or sixth, which seems to be... That's that's normally routine. You like More often than not, It'll be one of the other guys in the match that gets the run. But no, I like that here. The way it worked was like this, everybody kind of fit in perfectly. And it was for, seemingly foreshadowing everybody's role in the Elimination Chamber. Like every single thing that happened here, like I can see this being like a mini kind of telling us what the Chamber's going to be like. Like like a showcase of this is what the Chamber will feel like dynamically with all these different wrestlers. Like, yeah. As a telly promotion for the pay-per-view, Bang on. <laughs> that means it's great. You nailed it. Uh, but yeah, so AJ Styles with Omos versus Kofi Kingston was the first pairing. Uh, first off, hey, I enjoyed AJ's silly little pre-match promo with Omos. Uh, grits and M&Ms and all. <laughs> I was like, that, that doesn't sound nice. Um, also, I'm fine with Kofi not doing amazingly either. It was his second match of the night with Miz having done decent damage to his knee earlier on. Uh, creating a perfect weak point for AJ and his calf crusher. Like he's against, he's not against the best opponent to go in with a bum knee. So, yeah, nice little flow from one match to the next, and you've given me a reason for Kofi to get beaten by a high quality opponent. Even if AJ doesn't feel like a title contender, we all know how great he is as a wrestler. So, yeah, this is also a pairing we've not really gotten to see. Like they're two wrestlers who have been like same ocean but always on different ships. Uh, bringing back those ships, I gotta think of a different metaphor. <laughs> A great spot with Omos too. I really like the Omos spots they've done so far. They've they've been patient with them. They've been smart, I think. Like Woods was taking the piss via the trombone after a successful Kofi just fall to the outside. And then the big lad just one-handed hoisted the man in the air and dumped him over the barricade. Like held him for ages before dumping him over the barricade. Uh, but the best part for me, all of that, he got Omos then sent to the outside. So it's just AJ versus Kofi. Kofi was uh, standing up to almost like, what are you doing? Uh, what, what is your problem? As he just chokes Lance, uh, Xavier Woods over the barricade. But, and then when he's checking on Xavier Woods, that's a distraction for AJ Styles to just go and, go and chop the knee. Like, he, he chops and distracted Kofi's knee. Like, that whole bit had a purpose that focused right back into the match. <laughs> the polar opposite of the Blair segment. Just, yeah. yeah that's, that's what I was talking about earlier. We're saying with the uh, Charlotte Flair stuff where you got your shenanigan storyline thing that happens and then the match just forgotten about. Doesn't even matter. Here, yes, there's a massive gauntlet going on, but my main point is 
there was the massive distraction and incorporated into the whole thing happening was the the next part of the match. Uh, yeah, just thought I'd applaud that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Kofi lost. <laughs> so uh, with all of that going on, that uh, yeah, he lost. And I was fine with him losing via that method. It was fine. Kind of setting up the Kofi, like don't expect a performance like the last Elimination Chamber, but maybe expect shenanigans to cost Trophy, a uh, trophy, <laughs> to cost Kofi. And maybe Mustafa Ali will kind of be there as well. Uh, AJ Styles then, sans almost, took on the WWE Champion Drew McIntyre. And the tone for this segment of the match set was set with the Big Scott arriving in no-nonsense style and launching the Georgia Man across the ring. A, a nice little touch with the after-break uh, augmented reality graphic having whoever's been eliminated just like greyed out. It's the lineup of all six men in the chamber and then they just greyed out one by one whenever they came back from break of who had been eliminated. So like, yeah, I like that. That's They're using augmented reality a bit smarter. Like, I'm fine with them for returning from break and then you've got these kind of augmented reality things to kind of reintroduce you to whatever's happening on the show. I am fine with that. I'm not as big on augmented reality like at, at like WrestleMania. Again, they are improving with it. But when you put so much effort into an elaborate stage that looks fantastic, it's got all this stuff on it, then you just slap crappy 3D graphics over the top of it. I can't flipping see anything. <laughs> it's like WrestleMania New Orleans, whichever number that was. I think that's 33. When they had that really fancy stage with a gigantic mask and it looked amazing. And then, especially like with uh, Asuka versus Charlotte, then they just like had Asuka's like just crappy lines and masks <laughs> in the augmented reality. It's like, you've put so much effort into this staging. I can't see any of it. And what you're showing me is, isn't that great quality. <laughs> but here, I'm fine with it. it. There's purpose for it. I've been given information. The augmented reality has a purpose. Uh, I mean, they've got better. With, with the Asuka thing in particular, It's there's no more lines. It is just the masks that are there. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, with Raw as well, when it's the same staging every single week, it's not quite the same, but with WrestleMania, where they put so much effort into it, then I can't see it. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, yes, Drew McIntyre launching AJ Styles, and this was another enjoyable match in this gauntlet as AJ showed his tenacity to fight on uh, after Drew beat him down. Like, man, the man feels much more of a threat for the chamber than he did beforehand. So, job well done there. Like, even if, you know, I've not been convinced he's got a chance of genuinely willing willing genuinely winning AJ Styles he put in a decent showing here he got he got made to look like a strong competitor he just he faced Kofi first Kofi put up a fight ultimately lost but still put up a fight which drained energy from AJ then Drew McIntyre was absolutely no nonsense and AJ Styles is still worn down a bit uh, a nice finish to this one too with the fresher McIntyre having his wits about him to dodge and shove AJ into the ropes to set up the claymore and this match was draining enough, that, draining enough, which meant that when Drew McIntyre goes into the subsequent matches, any one of them could beat him because of how much AJ Styles gave him. First up was Jeff Hardy. Wasn't him. <laughs> After the uh, pace slowed a little bit of a tad in the last match of this gauntlet, uh, the, uh, Hardy wasted no patience in jumping at the champion. Nailing the whisper in the wind in like under a minute was like a nice note of a pace increaser for this part of the match. 
Like Hardy had the counters and reversals, uh, the champion forced to rise to Jeffrey's speed of counter before the man's power could win out once more, uh, getting the knees up in time to block the Swanton and following up with the Claymore. Drew McIntyre beats Jeff Hardy because of course he does perfect little booking thing. Next up, time for weird booking thing. <laughs> Randy Orton versus Drew uh, WWE champion Drew McIntyre. He uh, so he and Drew were. Having a bit of a kerfuffle, then it looks like he was wearing Drew down a tad more for Sheamus to then capitalise in the end, like setting up Randy for Finch and Anagans as well. Like, has this Sunday just been foreshadowed? Where Drew was being worn down a bit more for Sheamus to capitalise, and Randy is caught in Finch and Anagans. It's what I meant by the kind of the run off this gauntlet felt like this is a taster of what's going to happen in the chamber match. We may get a couple of swerves and things, but I feel like overall, the tone for each person in how they presented felt like an absolutely fantastic advertisement for the chamber match. It's, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the two lads board for a tad, but there's not much to review here <laughs> with Randy getting countered out so quickly. A bliss appearing all over the Thunderdome screens and WWE puts me like, how is she doing that? That's insane. And immediately just like, well, I'm assuming the producer pressed the button. <laughs> it's not that complicated. Uh, anyway, I'll get the nerdy head out of me. Uh, but yes, with, uh, like, it's, uh, it got counted out pretty quick. With Bliss appearing all over the Thunderdome on the screens, in the one above the ring as well, and that's left Randy looking all over like, what? Oh, what? Huh? Huh? What's, what? And then the ref just counts him out. <laughs> so how he goes. Again, kudos, in this match, a thing happens, person gets counted out. Again, kudos. <laughs> they didn't just stop. Again, it is in the middle of a match. So it's what would you do in this match to stop giving away a thing? Ah, here we go, shenanigans. But again, I feel like it's great foreshadowing for the chamber where this will be Vandy's role. He will have a ball with somebody. He'll get in moves. He may look a bit strong for a bit, but then what? what's what's, what's going on? Creepy, creepy. <laughs> Into WrestleMania against the Fiend you go. That is my assumption. Uh, and the final tone set... It's the big storyline one of Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Assumably, what's going to go into Fastlane? That's, I don't know. I feel like Drew McIntyre deserves a massive match at WrestleMania. But does he just like really want to fight his mate? <laughs> WrestleMania and Sheamus. For those to have a big WrestleMania match, does that, will that personally mean a lot to them? Compared to him having like a big match. Uh, the story was, uh, the rumour months ago was Drew McIntyre versus Lesnar versus a third party. Uh, I think the name at the time was Keith Lee. I'm assuming that's changed now. But it's... Yeah, He so he's been talked about having a big match against, you know, the way WWE does big matches now is against a part-timer. It, uh, I, I'm somebody who is more than ready for the current generation. This is why I wasn't massively hyped after Edge 1. Even though I can see, like, the... In reality, in terms of, like, real life assessing of it, it's a fantastic story, Edge coming back and then being in such a condition to pull off what he did at the Rumble. However... In terms of, uh, I guess, for me, intrigue of this current generation of WWE, the WWE men haven't had like their headline championship match. They haven't had one of this era. As in, it's always been Lesnar versus somebody, Goldberg versus somebody, Undertaker versus somebody. There hasn't been two top guys in this generation against each other in like one of the final matches of the show. It's just not happened. There hasn't been one. <laughs> and uh, again, the closest was Daniel Bryan uh, again. And then he's he's somebody who's not got much left in him now. So this current generation, because that, that, that was six, seven years ago. 
2014 was seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. So this current generation, they haven't had that moment. And I, as a viewer, I am ready for that to happen. But I know I'm not going to get it. As in, it's, like, it's just um, the people on the uh, the uh, fellow Brits on the right side of the pond always used to say, like, WrestleMania isn't what it was anymore. And me, maybe me holding on for that isn't what WrestleMania is. But I, I still watch it and I think, but the product desperately needs it. <laughs> they desperately need to crown the current generation. Like, again, people said before, an absolute crime that there was never a Shield match at WrestleMania. As in, like, a triple threat. That, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm ready for a current generation championship match at WrestleMania. But I fully expect McIntyre Lesnar. That's what that's the point I'm making. <laughs> so I expect McIntyre Sheamus to happen at Fastlane. Or not be for the title. And my ultimate worry... Because surely they're doing Orton Fiend at WrestleMania. And they've now dropped Orton Edge. Because my biggest worry was Orton Edge for the title. And immediately I'm just like, who cares? Like, it's the only guy Edge could beat. And they could be like, uh, alright then. But I doesn't mean I'll care for the story. <laughs> I'm really going in. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the uh, the match itself was Shamu getting his one-on-one match with Drew, but with the Scott having been through the gauntlet, it wasn't really much of a two-way bout. It wasn't an equal footing who is the best. Let's go at it. It was, no, Sheamus is going to get some beatdown on him. Uh, the Irishman beating down the champion and making, like, more making his statement ahead of Sunday. Again, fantastic tone setters for each individual character. And it's in fact whether Drew McIntyre is up against the odds, which again was another one with him facing Hardy, with him facing Orton, with him facing Sheamus. And like, really is, for me, it's a, this was a great little taste of how great a full match between these two could be. And this is like how the telly wrestling should be. Like, give us a wee taster without giving it all away. And Drew fought back, but Sheamus got his pin on the WWE champion with a bro kick as the other man was starting to amp his way back up. The gauntlet fatigue playing its part in another nice foreshadowing for some Seamus and Drew fisticuffs. It's like, honestly, I expect the Chamber to again give us a taster for these two. Like, obviously more than we saw here, but again, not too much as the two can then clash at a later pay-per-view. Be that Fat Slain or, yes, WrestleMania. And that is my expectation for it. So, yeah, it's a weird one where I am relatively positive on... What has been what they did here with the gauntlet? It's just the main thing of it again. It's because they didn't think it through. They didn't. They kind of okay. It's rushed booking. It's in the moment of the week, not looking at all the pieces that you've got. Uh, again, if you if you do it in advance, you've got the time to realise. But they, it's there and then. <laughs> week to week, day. To, uh, when I say day to day, I mean Monday to Monday, and it's it's evident when you watch the show. Maybe it's not that tight, but you know what I mean. Inviting it for that Monday, they don't then start doing the next one, which is weird. I don't get it. Or at least a few down the line. Like, why not? I don't understand why not. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, the ma- I felt like this Gordon match was a fantastic setup. A great advertisement. What you use TV for it. Yeah, it's a perfect lead-in. Even if there's been like no time for the build and they've changed it. <laughs> James a fair bit of the guard the second week. Uh, yeah. Anyway, after that, I'm assuming now with Asuka versus uh, Lacey Evans now off that the Women's Tag Team Championships will be on the show. So I've got that to talk about. Also, yes, Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny is a 24-7 champion after pinning Akira Tozawa backstage. Punishment Martinez because I'm egging him on. Uh, still a massive fan of Bad Bunny and uh, Punishment Mar- I keep calling him Punishment Martinez. That's his indie name. <laughs> uh, Damien Priest. 
Yeah, I, I did pop for our truth calling him DP live on air because <laughs> the other one was on more talk. Uh, with uh, yeah, Charlie Caruso just repeating how much he likes DP, <laughs> but for truth to like without context or really much notice, just say it. Commentary didn't pick up on it either. Then nobody went. Oh God, damn it, truth. <laughs> he just he just said it as a segment and moved on with generic commentator reaction. Uh, yeah, uh, but still, it's. I really enjoy the Damien Priest Bad Bunny pairing and it's great to see the reports of apparently backstage people hiring Damien Priest but for all I know that's just another one of his, his TV work looks to be good so we, you, you can probably bet on that <laughs> so you post it uh, you see that quite often I don't know I feel like something behind it his pairing with Bad Bunny has ab- he's absolutely nailing it so far uh, he feels like like charisma wise as well backstage because my main point is in terms of like storytelling in terms of like the way the characters hold themselves, Damien Priest easily feels like he's got enough charisma to hang with somebody like Bad Bunny. It doesn't feel like this is uncool wrestler just lynching or leeching <laughs> of the mega superstar. So even though in reality, that's the whole point of it. But with Bad Bunny being such a massive wrestling fan, it's a win-win for everybody. Apparently the Bad Bunny merch is just selling like <laughs> crazy on the store. Where they, it means they can just keep releasing new stuff and it's going to sell. Which is win-win for everybody. Like it's a win-win for Bad Bunny, it's a win-win for Damian Priest, who via Bad Bunny seemingly getting massive exposure and will get massively over via it as well. So yeah, I don't get the negatives about it. <laughs> like on, on the very website I do this for, Wrestling Headlines, there are interesting reactions to it. I don't get it. Don't get it all. Anyway, I'm getting close to one hour and I'm realising there's two more things for you to talk about. One, Alexa Bliss. So a lot of people talking about the carving she made on the ground with her sign to then apparently call in uh, the fiend. And just my immediate point is either that was a production oversight, they didn't realise they'd drawn the wrong shape because that apparently the shape that she drew is all about protection. It's got absolutely nothing to do with summoning. <laughs> uh, as, uh, but... So, so that is either a production thing where they just drew a shape they thought was related, that'll do, didn't really think about it, or they fully know. And because it's the because it's ambiguous, they can take in what the fans have kind of pointed out to them and they can pretend they meant it all along because they didn't give any exposition on it. They just showed Lexa Bliss. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, it, does it matter? Like, the entire point of the segment was the Fiend's coming back. It was essentially a Fiend returning promo. Because, you know, you do it in the Fiend way where it's a bit more ambiguous than that. <laughs> like, Bray's coming back, lads. Pff, Bray returns. <laughs> it's not quite like that. But it is... Uh, yeah. It's more ambiguous. It fits the character. Does it really matter? I, I, I think I won't care <laughs> next week. Do they really need to address it? I feel like it's one of those things where the answer's probably no. Uh, yeah. The final thing to talk about Got one more match. Lana with Naomi versus Shayna Baszler with the hole. <laughs> it has consumed her. It is all she it's all Naya has become. Sorry, not Naya. The hole is what she is now. <laughs> After watching Pete done this weekend, it, I've talked about the match first. <laughs> After watching Pete done this weekend, like it was nice to see Baszler showing just how fantastic at the joint manipulation she is too. I'm in the mood for it. So <laughs> after that big showcase on Sunday. Like I don't want to forget to mention it either, but for watching this as well, or at least the last few weeks especially, like since her return, like Lana for me has been showing how much she really has improved, like especially compared to just one year ago. Like you can tell the amount of work she's putting in. You see it on your TV box. like You feel it watching her matches. Uh, just want to point that out. Is she going to get five-star classics to best in the world? No. 
but she's evidently putting the work and evidently getting better. So thought I'd uh, thought I'd uh, applaud that. Anyway, Shayna won. <laughs> like perfectly fine. Next note uh, for this Shayna and Nia kind of art they're doing as she successfully makes her opponent tap whilst Nia's yeah Nia's not. <laughs> she's not making her opponent tap. She is now a hole. <laughs> that is all she is. Yeah. Anyway, that is everything blasted through. I've done it in under an hour. Well done me. Uh, Elimination Chamber is this Sunday, so I'll be live then. I don't have any plans for predictions. I might I might do a Twitch stream. I don't know. If I do, it'll be with uh, Ash from the Wrestling Shorts channel, but he's currently working on his latest cartoon. So uh, it depends on how that goes. So, yeah, We've decided, like, for WrestleMania to make sure we definitely do it. We're going to have to record it in advance so we're not, like, on that final week so might not do a live thing for that but that's the plan anyway yeah so anyway yeah on that i've been going live on twitch at the implications with the second s that's a twitter thing to be off twitter you can follow me on twitter at the damn implicat and i may be live with ash tomorrow on his wrestling shorts twitch channel uh with some w2k stuff maybe to talk elimination chamber but that all depends on how the animating is going so it's 50 50 in the air and I will be back on Thursday. I'm knackered. I've had four hours sleep after a <laughs> Sunday. Sunday, went to bed at like quarter past five, half past five. And then last night I got about four hours. <laughs> so the fact that I've had as much energy as I have for this show is incredible. <laughs> but it, cause, yeah, I go live at midnight my time as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm knackered. I'm going to sleep. Anyway, I'm live on Thursday with the NXT review. And I'll be live on Sunday with Aftershock once again, this time for the Elimination Chamber. The February run rolls on, this time into the Elimination Chamber. And I, yes, I'll be doing that. I've plugged my Twitter, I've plugged my Twitch. I need to put my Twitch in my name, I remember one day. I've just entered the routine of what I do to set up the show and I keep bloody forgetting. <laughs> so I remember eventually. And with that, I think that I've time to bid you adieu. Thank you for watching, liking, commenting, engaging in any form, be it liking, disliking, doesn't really matter. Follow me on Twitter, unfollow me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, go, yeah, go to wrestlingheadlines.com for all your latest wrestling news and whatnot. Uh, also, Top Notch columns going up uh, routinely as it is, and currently, seemingly all the columns are high on the Undisputed Era. So if, you want, if, you're, if you were hyped following TakeOver, if you want to kind of re-engage yourself before NXT... Yeah, go read one of the undisputed columns on the Undisputed Era that's currently up right now. So, yes, I'm going to sign off now. I'm going to go to bed. My eyes are getting blurry. I need to do it. <laughs> so with that, I bid you adieu. What did you make of Monday Night Raw? Are you excited for Elimination Chamber? Let me know in all the different methods, be it in comment form, be it on Twitter or whatever. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.